Hi, listener. Welcome to this Yellow Vision podcast, where my guests and I discuss our goals and our vision for ourselves within the entertainment industry, because the sky truly is the limit. I'm your host, Esther T. Furman of Miss Yellow Productions. Let's get things rolling. Rolling, rolling. Today's guest is actor Frank James. I met him in the DMV. That's the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area of the Mid-Atlantic. And now here he is. Well, Frankie J, I wanted to take us back to where we first met the set of The Making of the Mob that premiered on AMC. I have found that on the Virginia Film Office. Where had you found that casting call? I found it on dragonnook.com. I think you had already been in the business because you seemed like a seasoned pro. What was your first paying acting job? There had to be Forrest Gump. There's a scene where Tom is giving his anti-Vietnam speech at the reflecting pool, and he sees his girlfriend. He yells out, Jenny! Jenny! I remember that. And she is like walking across in the reflecting pool, right? He runs through the crowd. He stops. He yells her name, Jenny! And he runs toward her. When he stops in that crowd, I am right there. You can't miss me. He's like right by me. Oh, I see. You're actually in the frame. Yes. Uh, you see, it's made. All they have on is, they put on these, you know, sideburns, which called back then, you know, Lamb chops? Yes. Oh, it's my face, Cyber. Other than that, he's like, that's Frank's his big ass hair. Oh my gosh, I gotta check that out. <laughs> now, had you wanted to act since you were little? No, no. The only acting I did was I was just a bad kid. I was <laughs> no, actually, I'll be honest with you. No, I was like uh, one of those really nerdy kids, really nerdy. I was like um, on the boys on the band. I was a member of the chess club. I was the uh, secretary of treasure in my homeroom. So I was a really nerdy kid. So back then, I, I got beat up a lot. <laughs> oh, no. No. Really? I, I can't. No, I can't. I, I was a nerdy kid, though, but I, I, get, I did get beat up. So you were involved. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing at I all. I guess back in the day, though, I mean, being nerdy was, like, not a cool thing today. And nowadays, it's cool no. to be a geek. Exactly. Back then, though, it was nerds and jocks. And we were the nerds, and we separate the two. They didn't hang out with us. We didn't hang out with them. So, yeah. Well, we used to call it the A group and the B group. And sometimes C group. Yes. Like, and there's a C group who ate a lot of paste. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Now, a long time ago, I remember going to a screening of The Last Indie Mix. Ah, yes. Yes. Uh, you had a really funny role in that. But I want to know. Yes. <laughs> that was really good. So I just want to know, uh, what is your favorite film set that you've been on? House of Cards, probably, back in the day. Yeah. Oh, what about it? Yeah, Did you like so much? Be honest with you, Kevin Spacey, man, he's an outstanding, phenomenal actor. And he likes to clown around on set. It was like fun working with him. It just was. Before the news broke out, some of us already knew something was up. So you have no clue? Oh, well, he treated me like a, you know, a regular guy. He didn't try to hit on me. <laughs> so, no, as a matter of fact, we had, you know, a couple of conversations, you know, during the breaks. So he seemed like a very nice down-to-earth guy. Again, he liked to kid around a lot on set. And I'm sure it's not a secret, but he was a chain smoker, man. He'd light up one, put it down, light up again. I'm like, wow. He says, man, you know, you should not do that. He says, Frank Mannequin. I guess I didn't realize that he actually talked to people in between, you know, camera setups. Because I heard, yes. you know, when I was on Beep, you know, I was trying to observe. Yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and I did hear some people say, oh, she didn't talk to anybody. 
I, I think she was just, I guess, trying to stay in character or trying to concentrate. You know, they always tell you not to bother them because they're trying to work. I mean, it is a work environment. Although I had one or two scenes with her where I actually got to say, um, thank you, Madam President or Secretary, wherever it was at the time. It was you did get a lot of good FaceTime and on that show. It yes, with, exactly. With her, too. So I guess I wanted to get into um, the fact that you're a stand-up comedian, and a lot of us wear a lot of different hats on this business. So yes, uh, let us know how that's been going for you. Great. As a matter of fact, I was uh, performing last night, um, and I'm performing uh, tonight at uh, this place called Give a Hoot Comedy Club. Um, so I'm still doing that, man. I love it. So you've been busy. Yes. Uh, it's a half. All right. Well, how long have you been doing that, the stand-up comedy? Oh, I started that um, at least 15, almost 20 years ago. That's when I started. But it wasn't like consistent because when I first started, it was just a hobby because I was still working for the federal government as a lawyer and had a really good job. So I didn't want to leave that. Although some of my friends in the beginning says, man, Frankie, you're so funny. You should go to New York. I'm like, no, I have a job that pays me well. I'm established here. I'm not going to do that. Sometimes I wish I would have. I have some regrets about that because some of the same people who said that to me are now big people. So maybe I should take that advice. But um, I'm home. I'm happy. And I'm still doing comedy. So while I was still working for the federal government, it was just a hobby. But since I've retired, it's been like five years. I've been constantly at it. How do you come up with the jokes? Oh, well, I try to take jokes from things that are happening in the news. I would take the news joke and then I would just beat it to death. Okay, <laughs> beat so that current joke events are to important. Death. And current events, yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, for example, here's a joke. Okay. As you all know, um, Paul Pelosi was mm -hmm. uh Violently attack. I can tell you right now, I hate violence. And violence has no place in our political life at all. But uh, he was knocked unconscious, taken to a hospital. And while he, once he woke up, the doctor wanted to check his brain to make sure his brain was functioning well. They asked him, well, do you know your name? He says, yes, my name is Paul. He said, okay, Paul, do you know where you are? Paul says, yes, I'm at a hospital. And they ask him, Paul, do you know what time it is? Paul said, hammer time. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 Frank. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Hammer time. Oh, like your idea. Boy. So, <laughs> actually, I, it's a bad joke. But actually, the joke's been killing lately. I know it's a bad joke. That's that what joke I was going to ask about the crowd lately. reaction. Like, do they laugh or do they win? No, uh, most of the crowd will laugh every now and then. They'll go, ooh, like, oh, don't, ooh, don't say that. But most of the people actually laugh. As a matter of fact, if you go on my Facebook page, and I've actually recorded that for my Facebook page, you see the reactions oh, actually cool. quite good. I'll yeah. check that out. What comedians make you laugh, like known comedians? Oh, it have to be Tony Woods. I, the name may not be familiar to you, but he's a local legend here at DMV. And he was the uh, OG for a lot of comics, a lot of comics. Does right he have a, like a Netflix special? Excellent. Yes. Yes. He um, was on Netflix, uh, Are You Ready? And 
he would do an outstanding, outstanding job. I'll have to check that out because I do like watching the stand-up comedians on Netflix. Okay, well, have you ever had to deal with a heckler? Of course, we all do. And sometimes it can't get out of hand. You've never had a fear that they're going to try to come up on stage and push you around? No, no, no. I never had that fear until, you know, after Chris Rock got slapped. <laughs> but before that, that never, you know, was a problem or an issue. You know what I mean? So, no, I never had that. I had not. Or like afterward, even, that they're waiting for you in the parking lot to try to... Oh, oh, well, well... Well, once that did kind of happen because I was uh, picking at this man's wife because <laughs> she was a heckler and I kind of threw some really nasty stuff at her. Mm-hmm. People really liked it and laughed. Husband didn't like it too much. He was like, yo, dude, I'll meet you at the you know, parking lot. Of course, I went to the parking lot, of course, with security. I got my car with him. So then nothing happened? No. no. That time? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to wish something on me? No. Come on. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah, so you're trying to wish something on me, sweetie. Uh, man, I want you to be careful out there because times are changing okay. and you know that yeah, these oh, sensibilities yeah. are like different. Yeah, and sometimes you have to be careful and be like politically correct, right? Yeah. So everybody is extremely, I don't know, sensitive. But to me, nothing is off limits. And comedy is comedy. Nothing is off limits, in my opinion. So you have a choice. Don't laugh. If you don't want to hear any of that, don't go to a comedy show. Don't go to don't go to comic club. Or don't laugh, or you know, go to certain comics. But me, I like the edge. I do. If you weren't in the creative arts, what would you be doing completely different as a career? Oh, well, my first career was a lawyer. I practiced law for a long, well, for quite a while. As a matter of fact, I was uh, born and raised in South Carolina, and I practiced law there first for about six years before I moved up here. So I would still be practicing law. Or uh, my last job, what we call a uh, hearing representative, is basically an administrative law judge. And what we do is we handle cases coming out of the Department of Labor Workers' Compensation. So if your claim gets denied for a workers' comp case in the federal government, you want to appeal it before a judge, a hearing rep, you have to come before one of us. At the time, there's only 26 hearing reps in the country, and we're required to travel everywhere on the planet where a federal employee filed a claim and they got denied. So sometimes, you know, we have federal employees all over the country, all over the planet. So sometimes I had to go out of country like Brazil, Nicaragua, Germany, because we have federal employees there. And the way Congress written the law, we have to hold a hearing within 250 miles of the claimant's home. So we had to go to them in their area. And normally we'd always be in a federal building or in a courtroom setting with the a court reporter, and a um, transcriber. And there's testimony given the oath. It's like a hearing, but it's for administrative purposes to whether to accept, modify, or deny a person's claim who filed for workers' comp. I would still be doing that. Matter of fact, when I retired from federal government, that's one of the jobs I was doing. Man, that's so cool that you've traveled the world. Yes, I had a, yes, yes. And some very nice places. And every now and then I had to hold my hearings inside the embassy because it's a place like Nicaragua at the time was kind of rough. And I had to be, you know, protected with armed guards, which is really crazy. Yeah, I mean, my, my family's from there, so I know it's dangerous. Yeah, back then it was definitely dangerous. Back in the early 90s, 
and uh, they were not letting me go out without some type of guard and had to take the um, limo from the um, compound because I couldn't just walk around. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. But seeing all the armed guards, that didn't even deter you to, to not put yourself in, in harm's way and do that anymore? <laughs> no. I, uh, I, at the time, I really liked my job. I liked my, you know, my coworkers. But um, acting was calling. It was just calling. It's like something that's inside of you that you have to do. Exactly. That you have to do. You, yeah. It's kind of hard to do when you're inside a federal building trying to solicit evidence from a claimant. It's like completely different worlds. <laughs> completely different world. All right, Frankie J, since we are in the creative arts, uh, what do you believe are some characteristics that one would need in this field for the long run? Keep your ego in check. That would be my best thing. And get used to hearing the word no. You hear the word no a yep. lot. Do not be upset by that. Do not let it depress you. Do not let it, you know, stop you from continuing to pursue your dream because you will hear a lot of no's. But every now and then that yes comes through, you're like, yeah, that's why I'm doing this. And it definitely makes it worth it. So my number one thing would say is keep your ego in check, you know, and keep grinding. man. Any up- upcoming projects or appearances that you're able to disclose? We all sign a non-disclosure agreement. And most production companies are very serious about that. They will either eject you off or actually sue you for disclosing information you should not have. So the normal rule of thumb for me, even if on set, I will post something on uh, Facebook. They should be very generic. I can say, yeah, I'm acting um, someplace in Baltimore um, with a scene. Look for it on a screaming service. That's it. That's all I can say because anything else would be uh, violating the um, non-disclosure agreement. But I can tell you a few things. Um, during the summer, I worked on uh, four or five projects, but the three main ones were Flamingo, which is actually called Lady in the Lake. It's a miniseries on Apple TV, and it stars Natalie Portman. No, Natalie Portman, Queen Amidala from Star Wars. Yeah, awesome. She was Jackie Yellow. Yeah, I had a couple of great scenes with her, so that's going to that's be kind of nice. The next one is Swagger. It's on Apple TV. It's about the uh, basketball life of Kevin Durant. Um, the next one is uh, Lioness, starring Zoe Saldana, who is a very gorgeous woman. Is she Gamora? Yeah. In the Guardians. Yes. In the, yes. 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 She's a Guardian. Yes. I know exactly who she is. Yes. yes. She is so fine and very nice, pleasant. I like working with her. That's going to be on uh, Paramount+. Plus. And the last thing is uh, it's called Netflix Rustin. It's about a gay civil rights leader uh, named Bayard Rustin. And that's going to be coming this summer, too. So those four things and a couple others, but just see me here and there. Wow, and that's a lot. <laughs> Amazing. Well, congrats on staying Thank busy. Yes. That's awesome. i very happy. All right, Frankie J. Well, thanks so much for talking to me. Sure, sweetheart. You know, as I always say, you know you're my favorite actress. You still are. Thank you. My gosh, even the distance didn't simmer that down. <laughs> <laughs> you know I love you, girl. You know that. So All right. Stay love safe. You too, Frankie J. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening to my friend and your friend now, Frank. Please subscribe to Cielo Vision on Spotify if you enjoyed it. I'm thankful for your support, and I'm thankful to have this quiet space where I can speak with my friends. I don't have to be the lonely person in the basement anymore. Not awkward at all. 
Until next time, all the best to you.